0: Welcome back, I'm Carolyn Stain and you are listening to Classic Lunch. Proudly brought to you by First for Women Insurance here on Classic 1027. Now, South African author Vincent Pinard has just released his latest novel, two years after his last one, Too Many Tsunamis, which was nominated for the Barry Ronger Fiction Prize. I was lucky enough to read the manuscript a few months ago just before it was published. It's called Limerence and I have to tell you, I absolutely loved it. And not only is it out on the shelves now, Vincent Pinar himself is on the line to tell us more about it. Hello, thank you so much for joining us here on Classic Lunch this afternoon. Vincent Pinar.
1: Hi, Carolyn. It's an absolute pleasure to be with you.
0: Vincent, I want to get one thing out of the way. How is Snowy? Snowy is fine. He's absolutely fine. He had, uh,
1: he had the biggest T-bone you've ever seen in, in, in your life, the bone. And, um, I saw
0: on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Vincent, first things first, what does this word limerence actually mean? And what made you to d- decide to use it as the title for your book?
1: The book was actually going to be called I Do Love Crazy, which I thought wasn't a bad title. And then I thought downhill from there it went was also quite nice. But then a friend of mine introduced me to the word limerence. I thought it was great. You know, Limerence is about that absolutely glorious feeling that you get in the first moments of a relationship, normally requiring a reciprocal and so on. So, And this is a story of a guy and different women in his life. So I thought it was a perfect thing. Incidentally, Mm -hmm. the word never gets explained in the book.
0: (laughs) I know, I know. I I did have to look it up.
1: (laughs) That's why, (laughs) if you've got it, enjoy it. If you want to know what it is, look it up.
0: Vincent, without giving too much away, tell us a little bit about the book and why you decided to write it.
1: That's a very good question because a friend of ours in Melville, Charles Viserie, committed suicide some time ago and I wondered how I I could pay tribute to him because to claim that he was my friend would have been wrong, would have been a lie. We weren't great friends but we we were drinking buddies and so on and uh, he always wore a hat. So I thought it would be quite a nice tribute to him to write a book with a main character, Scout, who isn't Charles, but it is based on Charles, you know. And I'm very happy that I did that. I'm really, absolutely, I could not have done it in a better way. But, you know, as, as a writer, you, <laughs> you're forever looking for stories. It's not as if you're sitting and saying, well, okay, I've got 25 stories to select from. And then I, I thought I would write a story about a roguish guy. And uh, then I thought I would base him loosely on, on, on the character Charles Fisser, So that's where it comes
0: from. Uh, Vincent, I have to boast a little bit here. <laughs> I, Carolyn Stain, yeah. I've been quoted yeah. on both the front and the back cover of your book, which was such no. a great honour. Thank you. Thank you for that.
1: I don't know if, if this is worth saying now, but you have been absolutely magnificent in terms of, of the way you've responded to the book. I'm very grateful for that.
0: Well, thank you. Thank you. And as I've said, I absolutely fell in love with the character Scout, the enigmatic and somewhat eccentric man in the white Panama hat in your novel. I want to know, is there a little bit of Vincent Pinar in this character?
1: I don't know. I think I think if I write a story about the devil, I, there would be a little bit of my character. <laughs> I guess, you, you know, where where is the... <laughs> where does oh. the... And where does the fiction start? I don't know. I, I really yeah. don't know. I, I I think that some of the characters, some of the ladies, there are characteristics of some of the ladies, you know, uh in, in the book. But no, mm-hmm. I, I I would like to think that I'm not that I'm not scout, you know, in too many tsunamis, the character Bert, I'm not Bert either, you know. So uh no, I don't I don't think I'm Scout. I do like him though.
0: I do like him too, and here's a question: Many of us have been on the receiving end of a scam. I know I certainly have. Have you, Vincent, ever been on the receiving end of a scam like the one that Scout tries to pull off?
1: Who's going to scam me, Carolyn? I mean, what are you <laughs> going to steal? You're going to steal my hundred rand because, as we speak, I've got about a hundred rand in my pocket. Uh, <laughs> you know, maybe maybe a <laughs> car. Oh God is going to tell me, are we going to get rich? I don't know. No. I don't often <laughs> get, through. I'm not often the victim of a scam, no, no.
0: Okay. Now, I mentioned that I fell in love with scouts, but the question that I have to ask myself, and maybe you can help me here, whilst it's a story of what I suppose you would call a lovable, sweet-talking cad or scoundrel, if you like, it's also mm. a story of love. How does one actually reconcile the two?
1: Yes, I. Uh, that's obviously a very complex question but i I think that one of my favorite writers john irving never has pure characters they are not lovable they are not perfect either way they're not bad guys entirely they're not good people entirely i think that i try to do that you know i don't write characters who are perfect in every way or bad in every way so why would a guy like scout not feel love you know and Oh, if if I can, if I can just quote from the book, he says, uh, "Ripley, who's a who's a very upmarket young modern woman, they argue about love and that sort of thing." And he says to her, "If you can't tell the difference, if you can't smell the difference between love and money, then you have a problem." And Mm -hmm. she accuses him of of doing this for the money, and he says, "No, he loved he loved them, he loved them all," and. You know, love is, love and limerence is not the same thing, of course, but I mean, people fall in love and they should. Carolyn, do you think limerence is a love story? Or I think is it, it is a love
0: story? story. No, I think it's a love story. But, you know, um, obviously there's some complications to this love.
1: <laughs> yes, indeed.
0: And Vincent, the book is set right here in Johannesburg during those, as I quote on the back of your book, those heady hedonistic days of the 1980s in places like Melville, Yeovil, and of course, Hillbrow. And what an era that was. What are your memories of that time?
1: I'll I'll tell you, I I spent a great deal of my time in Club
0: 58. Oh, me too. um,
1: we all did eh? I suppose
0: I'm sure you were at that table I remember you (laughs) that was you
1: (laughs) no (laughs) Um, I I have always had a great affinity for artists and specifically artists involved in music whether as performers or whether as musicians Uh, I've always had a great affinity for that so you can imagine how, how great it was for me to be associated with musicians and so on and I was I was a music reviewer, light music reviewer at the time. So I I went to all the different clubs and I met all these great people, you know, and I, I guess, look, if you, you know, better than I do the complexity of the people within that industry, how they always keep a smile on their face and the show must go on, but it's not an easy life. The life of a theater entertainer is not an easy life. So the the music and the characters and the, uh, events that, that happened in Limerence and in those days in Ilbrow and in After Dark in Pretoria was wonderful for me. It was absolutely delightful. For me. I drank too much tequila and and all of that. <laughs> and we all, you know, so. Yeah,
0: just. people like Sam Maria, Natalie De Roche, yeah. Jenny Delenta, Kate Normington. I mean, we, hanging yeah. out at Club 58 was was my favorite and, you know, down at the Market Theatre. And certainly your book takes us right back to those 80s, you know, those meeting places where we'd all mingle, a sense of bohemian Paris, and so many stories that went down and came out of that time, a melting pot of ideas, art, culture, music, as you say.
1: Yes, the other day I was talking to, uh, there, there was a post on Facebook about people, the question was, where do you live and why? And people said, I live in Musenberg because of the view, and I live in this place because of the climate and so on. And I said, I live in Melville because that's the only place I can live. You know, those those mm. those are the people that I can associate with. The other day I said to to my editor, Joanne Richards, I said that I wish I could have written a book that showed my love and affection for for Melville. And she said, But you've done it. So I hope that I've done that. I, you know, there is very much the platform on which the book takes place is, mm-hmm. is that bohemian lifestyle.
0: Yeah. Reading your manuscript, uh, which was such an honor, and now paging through the actual book with my own two paws last night brought back so many memories. And I couldn't help but think, Vincent, what a great Good. film this would make. Your writing yeah. really paints such a picture, such a filmic element to it. And I, you know, I can even hear the soundtrack, you know, the, the music <laughs> of you know, um, yeah. George Michael. Or uh, you bring Bruce opera Bruce. into it. I mean, there's a soundtrack to this film. So when, yeah. when are we going to see the film?
1: Well, I'll tell you what. If, if I get what I expect Scorsese to offer me $2 million for the, for the script, I'm never going to talk to you again, you know. (laughs) You know, the practical thing is, is this would be a very expensive movie to make. Can you imagine the sets? It would be cost a fortune. Uh, The 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, they would all require different different sets and different setups. So it would have to, it's not going to become a movie. Maybe, you know what I would love is I would love and I, I guess that segues me into this thing that I played around a lot, as you saw with uh point of view, first person and then third person and, and even That's second right,
0: person.
1: Yes. I played around a lot with that. And can you imagine? I would love an audio book where a man's voice does scout the first person sections and a woman's voice does the the third person sections. Wouldn't that mm-hmm. wouldn't that make a great audio book? of uh you yeah. know audiobooks shouldn't really have two different narrators or or readers but that that would be that would be a pleasure for me
0: i'm offering my services vincent <laughs> Vincent, (laughs) we've run out of time. I just want to wish you every success with your book. And as I said, I absolutely loved it. And if you are listening, I really would encourage you to get hold of a copy. It really is such a great read. Thank you so much for joining us here on Classic Lunch this afternoon, Vincent. It's really been great chatting to you. And I really hope we get a chance to sit down together in person soon (laughs) over a nice cup of coffee or some nice bubbles.
1: Thanks for your time. Thanks for your love. I appreciate it.
0: That was South African author Vincent Pinal, whose brand new novel Limerence has just been published by Penguin Random House, and it's out on the shelves of all good bookstores right now. I'm Carolyn Stain, and you're listening to Classic Lunch, proudly brought to you by First for Women Insurance, right here on Classic 1027.